0: Amen. All right. Well, we're there in Leviticus chapter number twenty-six, and uh, we are almost done with the book of Leviticus. And we have this uh, we have this sermon, and then we have next week's sermon. Then we'll take a break uh, because of the harvest party, and uh, then we'll move on to something else. And in this chapter, what we find in Leviticus twenty-six is we find a covenant that God enters into with the children of Israel in regards to blessings and cursings. In fact, if you look down at verse number 46, look at the last verse, and we're not going to be done, all right? It's because we're going straight to the last verse. We're going to look at the last verse, and we'll come back up to the beginning. The 26, 46. Notice what the Bible says. These are the statutes and judgments and laws which the Lord made, notice what it says, between him and the children of Israel in Mount Sinai, by the hand of Moses. We often hear about the, the Mosaic covenant, the covenant made in Mount Sinai. This is part of it where God gives his blessings and God gives his uh, curses and he gives those, uh, those different ideas there. I, I'm sorry, brother, I just feel like a little bit of a ring. If you could put me down, I'd appreciate it. And um, even though this was a covenant made with the children of Israel, God is no respecter of persons. And uh, the blessings of God are available to everyone. And the curses of God are available to everyone. And we can look at this passage and learn some things in regards to how to obtain the blessings of God and how to avoid the curses of God. In fact, that's the title of the sermon, How to Obtain God's Blessings and How to Avoid God's Curses. So let's look at that just real quickly tonight, and we won't spend any more time than we need to. Look at verse number one. Leviticus 26.1 says, you shall, make no, you shall make you no idols nor graven images, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up an image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Now we're going to come back to those two verses later on in the sermon, but I want you to notice verse number three. Notice these two words. If ye, do you see those two words? If ye. When he begins to talk about the blessings and the curses and the covenant that God is going to establish, he begins with saying, if ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, notice verse 4, then I will give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield Their fruit. So in verse 3, you see if ye. In verse 4, you see then. And I want you to notice there's this if then condition. And the first thing we notice in this passage in regards to the blessings of God, and if you're taking notes, if you'd like to write down a statement, here's point number one. We see the conditions to God's blessing and curses. We see the conditions that there are to God's blessing. See, today we hear a lot of talk about the unconditional love of God. And you hear a lot of Even preachers talk about the unconditional love of God. And I understand that God loves all of us initially, for God so loved the world. Every person that's born into this world, God loves. But I want you to notice and understand that there are a lot of conditions when it comes to our relationship with God. Even in regards to salvation, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that's a condition. He doesn't say, I'm going to save everybody. He says, Those who choose to, by faith, to call upon me, those will be saved. And when it comes to the blessings of God, he says, If ye, then I. He says, If you walk in my statutes, and if ye keep my commandments, and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go jump back and forth from the chapter because the chapter is divided into two different sections. You've got the blessings of God, and then you've got the curses of God. So we're going to jump back and forth, so just kind of stick with me. But look at verse number 13. Skip down to verse number 13. We're going to cover all the verses in the chapter, but we're not going to do it in order. Leviticus 26, look at verse 13. So we saw in verses 3 and 4 the conditions for God's blessings. But notice that in verse uh, 13, the Bible says this, And I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. Notice verse 14. But if ye will not. Now again, now, now we're talking about the curses of God. So in, in the blessing of God, he said, If ye will do these things. If there are certain things that you would do, then I will do certain things. But here he says, But if ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments. Look at verse 15. And if ye, again, conditional, shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant. Notice verse 16. I also will, that's a condition, do this unto you. I will even appoint over you, terror, consumption, the burning ague, and shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And again, I just want you to notice the if then condition. He says, if ye will not, if ye, if your, he says, I also will. I will. I'll do this. I'll do that. So we see the conditions in regards to the blessings of God. And here's what you need to understand. Just because you're saved does not give you the right to have the blessing of God upon your life. Just like the children of Israel in the Old Testament, For the children of God in the New Testament, there are conditions upon the blessings of God. If you want God to bless you, which I would imagine if you're here on a Wednesday night that you desire to have the blessing of God upon your life. I mean, I I would imagine that you would want God to bless you and want God to be on your side and want God to help you. But you need to understand... Those blessings are available for you. Uh, sometimes we feel like, well, they're far away from us and we cannot reach them. And therefore, you know, better people than us or greater men than us. They're for people like Moses and people like Paul. But no, the conditions are make it so that anybody can attain them. But here's the thing. You have to meet the conditions. So we see the condition to God's blessings and curses. But we also see, secondly, the contrast between God's blessings and curses. I think this is interesting in the chapter. He We'll go back in contrast. And when you read it all in, in order, you may not pick up on it immediately, but let me just show you a couple of these things. Leviticus 26, look at verse number four. Leviticus 26, four. Notice what the Bible says. I feel like I'm still a little too loud. Maybe you can turn me down just a little bit. Leviticus 26 and verse four. Notice what the Bible says. Leviticus 26, four. Then I will give you, I want you to notice this phrase, rain in due season. He says, then I will give you rain in due season. And for any society or culture to, to, to be able to prosper and succeed, you have to have rain, right? Even, you, you could say, well, back in these days, they depended a lot upon the agriculture, you know, locally there. But even today, you know, when California went through a drought, it really affected a lot of things that were happening in our state. And here, God says, hey, one of the blessings that I will give you if you, if you walk in my commandments, if you do what I've asked you to do, he says, when I give you rain in due season. Now notice, that's the blessing, right? But let's contrast that to the curse of God. Look down at verse number 19, Leviticus 26, 19. Now here's where they're not doing what he he wants. Notice verse 19. And I will break the pride of your power. And by the way, that's always why God sends his punishment and his curses upon us is to break our pride because it is always pride that causes us to sin. When you are in sin, when you get backslidden, when you decide to say, well, I'm not going to obey that commandment, it, it, the root problem there is a pride problem because when, you, when, God says, when the Bible says, thus saith the Lord, when the Bible says, here's what you need to do, here's what I want you to do, here's my will for your life, and you say, yeah, but I'm not going to do that, see, what you've done is you put yourself before God and now you're, you are he's not the Lord, he's not the king, he's not in charge, you are. And God says, look, if you don't want to listen to me, and you don't want to obey my commandments, and you don't want me to bless you, he says, that's fine, then I will break the pride of your power, and I will, notice, make your heavens as iron. So he says, look, I can, either give you dew, I can either give you rain in due season or I can make your heavens as iron. He said, I can give you the rain that you need or I can make it like iron up there. Nothing's coming down, no moisture. Uh, he says, it's up to you. Now, keep, keep your, just keep your finger right there in verse 19, but l- look up at verse number four again. Notice what he says. Then I will give you rain and due season. He also says this, and the land shall yield her increase, and the land shall yield her. Her increase. Go, go back to verse number 19. Notice what he says. And I will break your pride and your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, and notice your earth as brass. He said in verse 4, the land shall yield her increase. Here he says, I'm going to make the earth like brass. Look at verse 20. And your strength shall be spent in vain. For notice, your land shall not yield her increase. So in verse 4, he says, the land shall yield her increase. In verse 20, he says, your land shall not yield her increase. Look look at verse 4 again. Notice what the Bible says. Then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase. And notice this, the trees... Of the field shall yield their fruit. So he says, Not only am I going to give you rain in due season, not only is the land going to yield her increase, the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Look down at verse number 20, Leviticus 26, verse 20. Notice what he says, And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase. Notice the last part of verse 20, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. So notice when he's given the blessings, he says, the trees will, uh, will give you the fruit. When he's given the curses, he says, the trees will not. When he's given the blessings, he says, the land shall yield or increase. When he's given the curses, he says, the land shall not give or increase. When he's given the blessings, he says, I will give you rain in due season. When he's given the curses, he says, I will make your heaven as iron. And what is it that he's talking about when he's talking about uh, the land, the trees, the rain? He's talking about God's provision. And here's what you need to understand. You say, why do I want the blessing of God? Why do I want to be blessed versus being cursed? And here's why you want it, because part of God's blessing deals with God's provision in your life. See, it is God who gives you the strength to get wealth. It is God who gives you the ability to provide for yourself, to provide for your family. It's God that one does, does that. And by the way, I want you to notice in this chapter, there's no neutral ground. As a Christian, you don't get to play that game. You're either living, you're either following his commandments and God's gonna bless you, or you're living in sin and God's gonna curse you. You don't get to say, well, can I just kind of live somewhere in the middle? No, you're either living under the blessing of God or under the curse of God. And in different areas in your life, you could be under the blessing of God, and the curse of God. Now, if you're saved, you're not under the wrath of God. We understand that. You're never going to die and go to hell. But we're, when we're talking about your provision, when we're talking about your finances, when we're talking about the way you, know, the way you provide for yourself, God says, I'm the one who controls that in your life. Go, look at Leviticus 26, verse 5. Notice what he says in verse 5. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage. Again, so threshing is talking about you know, yielding fruit, I'm bringing in a harvest, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. Knows what he says, and ye shall eat your bread to the full. So he tells them, when I'm when I'm blessing you, you're going to get to eat your bread to the full. You're not going to go hungry. You're going to have enough bread to eat until you're full. That's what he says. Look down at verse number twenty six. Leviticus 26, verse 26. So on the blessing side, he says, hey, you'll have enough bread to eat till you're full. On the cursed side, Leviticus 26, 26, and when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight. Notice the emphasis on the bread. And ye shall eat, notice, and not be satisfied. So on the blessing side, ye shall eat your bread to the full. On the cursing side, ye shall eat your bread and not be satisfied. Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about the provision of God, God providing for your life. And look, when you're looking to see, am I being blessed of God, or do I have the curse of God upon my life? One area you can look at is your provision. Now listen to me very carefully. We should never stand in judgment. When others are going through trials or tribulations in their lives, it is never our job to stand in judgment, you know, and, and look, I've literally heard of and known of people doing these things, and that's why I'm bringing it up, you know, but you should never walk up to somebody, maybe they just lost their job, and say, well, brother, let me let me tell you something, you know why this is happening, right? It's The judgment of God on your life. I mean, you're obviously living in sin, brother, that's why you lost your job, you know? You know, we should never think that about people, because you know what that makes you? It makes you like Job's friends, Right? Job's friends showed up to Job, and what were they telling him? Well, you're obviously living in sin. Well, you're obviously doing something wrong. Well, God's obviously not happy with you. Well, God is upset with you. This is why this is happening, because there's sin in your life, because you're a hypocrite. That's what they said to Job. But was that true? The answer is no. See, God was, sometimes we go through trials and through tribulations, and it has nothing to do with sin in our lives. But listen to me, sometimes it does. Say, well, what, what do we do with that information? Here's what you do with that. You never judge other people when they're going through trials and tribulations. You never sit there and say, well, I think it's because they're living in sin. I think it's because there's something wrong with life because you don't know that. And you know what? All you should do is love people and pray for them and, and, and comfort them and love them. But when you as an in, when you individually are going through trials, when you're struggling, you know, when things are not going well, it may, you may be a Job. You may be just God showing off, you know, your faithfulness and your greatness and your patience, but, you know, you should always consider, is God trying to get my attention? Is God trying to speak to me about something? Look, when, when it, you say, well, what's an area where when things aren't going well financially, you need to stop and ask yourself, is there something we're doing that God is not happy with? Is there something we're doing that God is not okay with? And, you know, sometimes it's people are just sinning with their finances, They're sinning financially, and that's why God is going to hurt them financially. In the chapter, you'll read about the fact that they did not allow the land to rest. And God says, you know what? I'm going to make the land sit desolate while you go broke because you did not want to follow my financial instructions. And I'm here to tell you something. There's a lot of financial instructions that God gives us in His Word. And sometimes people are struggling financially because of the fact that they are breaking the laws of God, and they are going against the principles of God in regards to their finances. In fact, on Sunday night, I'll give you a plug. On Sunday night, I'm preaching a sermon entitled, you know, I don't know what it's entitled, but it's on the subject of how to dig yourself out of a financial hole. And when you're, when things are not going well financially, I'm going to give you seven practical steps when you're not succeeding financially what you can do what the bible teaches us you should do in order to regain the blessing of god in 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 that area but here's the thing you should look at that and again just because someone loses their job doesn't mean they're not right with god and you should never judge in that in that way but whenever you personally go through something you should ask i mean whenever things go wrong in my life i don't always think like well this is happening because god's not happy with but i always ask myself god is there something you're trying to get my attention about is there something that you want to deal with me in regards? Is, is, are you doing this as a punishment? Is there, is there something we should be confessing to you that we should be trying to make right? We see God's, uh, with a contrast between the provision of God and the blessing of God. Look at Leviticus 26 verse 29. Notice what verse 29 says. Leviticus 26 29 says this. And ye shall eat the flesh of your sons. Now that's kind of extreme, isn't it? I mean, cannibalism? And the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. Again, this is a covenant that God made with the children of Israel. And God told them, if you don't follow my commandments, I'm going to make things so bad for you that some of you are literally going to eat your children. And did you know that this actually happened to the children of Israel? Let's look at it real quickly. Go to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 6. You're there in the book of Leviticus. You're going to go past Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. You got the first and second books there. 1 Samuel, First, Second Kings. 2 Kings, chapter number 6, and verse number 26. 2 Kings 6.26, 2 Kings chapter number 6 and verse 26, notice what the Bible says. 2 Kings 6.26, and as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, this is as the city is being besieged by the enemies, there cried a woman unto him saying, help my lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? And he's being sarcastic because they don't have any food. He says, you want me to help you out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? They don't, they don't, he doesn't have anything to help her with. Notice verse 28. And the king said unto her, what, uh, what aileth thee? He said, what's the problem? And she answered, this woman said unto me, give thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son uh, tomorrow, so we boiled my son and, and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And of course, you go on and continue to read. And the king doesn't help her, he just runs off and he gets mad at the man of God and all of those things. Leviticus 20, go, go back to Leviticus 26. But I want you to notice we see the contrast between the blessing and curses of God. What do we see it? We first of all see it in the area of God's provision, but we also see it in a different area. Notice. We also see it in the area of God's protection. So there's God's provision. There's God's protection. Leviticus 26, Luke verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and you shall eat your bread to the full, notice this phrase, and dwell in your land safely. So we not only saw the provision of God, We also saw the protection of God. He said, and dwell in your land safely. Look at verse 6, and I will give peace in the land. So he talks about the fact that he's going to protect them, that you're going to have safety. I will give peace in the land. Now let's contrast that to uh, what the Bible says in verse number 33. Notice what he says. Because he said, you're going to dwell in the land safely. He said, you're going to dwell in the land. People are not going to remove you out of the land. And you're going to have peace in the land. In Leviticus 26.33, he says this, And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. So, he said, on one side, you're either going to live in safety... You're going to live in peace or I'm going to scatter you among the heathen and you're going to go live in the land of your enemies. Notice verse 34. Then shall the land enjoy her sabbaths as long as it lieth desolate and ye uh, be in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest and enjoy her sabbaths as long as it lieth desolate. It shall rest because it did not rest in your sabbaths when ye dwelt upon it. Go, look, look at verse number 6 again. Leviticus 26 and verse 6. So we see the... Provision, the the provision of God. He says, I will give you peace in the land. Verse 6, and I will give you peace in the land. Notice what he says also. And ye shall lie down. And notice what he says. None shall make you afraid. He said one of the blessings to you know, having the blessing of God upon here specifically a nation is that none will make you afraid. You will not be afraid. Look at the contrast of that in verse 16. Leviticus 26, verse 16. I also will do this unto you, I will even appoint over you terror. So he says, look, you want the blessing of God? None shall make you afraid. You want the curse of God? I will appoint over you terror. Now, if you want to ask yourself, do we live in a righteous nation tonight? Is the United States of America a righteous nation? At, you know, One way you can answer, do we live under the blessing of God tonight, or do we live under the curse of God tonight? One way you can answer that is, well, do we live in a land where, where none will make you afraid, or do we live in a land where we have been appointed over with terror? Don't we hear a lot about terror and terrorists and be careful going out to the grocery store because somebody might shoot you? And be careful about this. You say, well, what is that? I'll tell you what that is. That's the curse of God upon a land and upon a nation of people that don't want to follow his ways, don't want to keep his commandments. Hey, you don't have to keep the commandments of God, but just realize that you can go ahead, go on your merry way, do whatever you want, do whatever you want to do, ignore the judgments of God, but realize that with that comes the curse of God. And if you want to just live however you want, make whatever decision, you say, is that, does that apply for a nation? That applies to a nation. And listen to me, that applies to you Amen. as an individual. You say, well, well I'm, yeah, I know that's what the Bible says. I know God says not to do that. I know God says not to look at that. I know God says not to drink that. I know God says not to go there. I know God says he doesn't want that, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Well, just realize that with that comes the curse of God. You might find yourself on a, in a parking lot somewhere afraid and scared. Why? Because he will appoint over you terror. Let's go on. Look at verse 6 again. Let me get to 26.6. And I will give you peace in, your, in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. Notice, this is the blessing of God. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land. He said, you're not going to have evil beasts, um, you know, in the land. Notice verse 22. He says, if, if, if you're being blessed, I will rid evil beasts. And in verse 22, he says... I will also send wild beasts among you. Now look, they were living in a, t- a time different than our time where they actually you know, had to be worried about wild animals coming in and that's not really the society you and I live in. But you know what I think of when I read that? You know what God calls sodomites? He calls them brute beasts, you know, these reprobates. You know, I, we, I, we live in a land that's being overtaken by beasts and it's not the blessing of God. I will also send wild beasts among you. They're here. They're in San Francisco. They're in San Francisco. you know. And it's not the blessing of God. And I'm just kind of joking there, but I'm not. Look look at verse 6 again. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Then he says this, Neither shall the sword go through your land. He said there's not going to be violence. There's not going to be military. There's not going to be armies coming in and, and destroying you. Compare that to verse 25 or contrast that to verse 25. Leviticus 26, 25. And I will bring the sword upon you. So he says, look, I can either, uh, neither shall the sword go through your land, or I will bring the sword upon you. He says, I will rid the evil beast, or I will also send the wild beast among you. He says, I, I, you know, none shall make you afraid, or I will appoint terror over you. Uh, notice, uh, let's see, where did we leave off? Look at uh, verse 7, Leviticus 26, 7, and he shall, here's the blessing of God, and ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. That's victory. You get to chase your enemies. They're going to fall before you. They're, they're going to be afraid of you. Let's contrast that to the curse of God. Verse 17. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They, shall hate, they that hate you shall reign over you. Look at verse 8. Leviticus 26, 8. And five of you shall chase a hundred. Now, this is interesting. He said, I'll not only give you victory on the battlefield, He said, I'll make it so that you can accomplish more than you could normally do as a normal man. He says, five of you are going to chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And we see this in the Bible. Remember Samson? One man with an ox goad killed a thousand Philistines. If you uh, read the stories of the of David's mighty men, you'll find that often one or three or five of them uh, would would take on much bigger uh, odds against them, and God would give them the victory. But let's contrast that to uh, what the Bible uh, to to the to the curse of God. Notice verse uh, seventeen: "And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies; they that hate you shall reign over you." Notice notice the last part of verse 17. And ye shall flee when none pursueth you. So look, on the blessing side, five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand to fly. On the cursed side, ye shall flee when none pursueth you. You Nobody's even coming after you and you're already running. Nobody's coming after you and you're already running scared. And, you know, this makes me think of, you know, a year ago or however many months ago it was when our church, quote unquote, I shouldn't even say it, the church, when I got sued, you know, I personally got sued, you know, uh, for preaching or whatever against the stinking queers, and, and there, there was a threat, that maybe some church members might get sued also because they went out there and acted like a fool and did a bunch of things that we asked them not to do. And then they ran off and they got scared. But no lawsuit never came. Paperwork never got filed. You know what they were doing? They were fleeing when none pursued. it. Say why? Because they were scared. Why? Because look, when you live in sin, because when you're not following the commandments of God, you just get scared about everything. Everything scares you. I don't want to go down that. I don't don't know. Can we really do that? Can you really say that on on YouTube? You know what? We're just going to, you know, just five of us are going to chase 100. That's how it's going to work out. Five of our churches are going to chase 100,000 of these sodomites. You know, we're going to win the victory. Why? Because God's on our side. Look at verse 8. Leviticus 26, 8. And five of you shall chase 100, and and 100 of you shall put 10,000 to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. Look at verse 25 to contrast. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you and ye shall be delivered in the hands of your enemies. Notice verse number 36. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into your hearts in the land of your enemies. And doesn't it sound like the fundamental Baptist of today? The sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them. I mean, a leaf is blowing in the wind, and they're like, oh, no. And it's like they're scared, you know, they're scared of their own shadow. That's what he's saying. Look, when the independent fundamental Baptist movement today in the United States of America is putting their sermons down, You know, uh, my wife and I just for, for, I don't know, we're weird, I guess, but for fun, like before the Orlando sermon, we would often, you know, just go on the websites of other IFB churches in the area just to see what they were preaching about. Sometimes we'd listen to some of the sermons because they'd help us go to sleep at night, you know, and (laughs) we'd just listen to everything. And then after the Orlando sermon thing happened, the next time we checked the websites, all the sermons were down. And I mean, up to this day, I don't think there's very many churches that are IFB that are putting sermons up. Why? Because they heard a shaken leaf. Because they're afraid that they might get in trouble for something they said. It's like, you don't ever say anything controversial. What are you afraid about? You know, but the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword. And they shall fall when none pursue it. No one even sued you. The paperwork never even got filed. No, they just said, hey, we're thinking of suing you. And it's like, ah, I better quit. Better move. Better go. Hey, look, when you're living like that, you're not living under the blessing of God. Because you know what you get when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You know what you get over and over when you just study the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit? You know what you find throughout Scripture? That you walk in boldness, which is the opposite of running scared with your tail between your legs. They shall fall when none pursue. Look at verse 3, 7. And they shall fall upon one another... As it were before a sword, when none pursueth, and ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies. And ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' land, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away. So what do we see? When it comes to the blessings and the curse of God, we notice that the blessings of God come upon the provision of your life, or God's provision in your life. We also see that it comes upon the protection of God. And often what God does is He'll just send so much fear into the hearts of people that it will literally paralyze them to where they just, I don't know what to do. But notice there's another part to the blessing of God. Look at at verse 1, Leviticus 26, verse 1, and ye shall make no idols nor graven images, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up an image. We saw the blessing of God in his provision and we saw the blessing of God in his protection. But we also see the blessing of God in what I'm calling his partnership or his fellowship. He said, I I don't want you to have these standing images. Notice verse 11. And I will, this is the blessing, and I will set my tabernacle among you. So he says, don't have the images, I'll set my tabernacle among you. Notice what he says. And my soul shall not abhor thee. And I will walk among you and will be your God and he shall be my people. By the way, that phrase is basically loosely quoted in the book of Revelation when New Jerusalem comes down from heaven and he says that he will walk among us and he will be our God and we will be his people. That's the blessing. But notice the contrast. Notice the curse. Verse 30. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your images. Well, you weren't supposed to have those. And cast your carcass upon the carcass of your idols and thy soul... and my soul, excuse me, shall abhor you. So in verse 11, he said, my soul shall not abhor you. In verse 30, he says, my soul shall abhor you. In verse 11, he said, I will set my tabernacle among you. In verse 31, he says, and I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet So what have we seen in this chapter? We saw the condition of God's blessing and the condition of His curses. They are conditional upon our actions. And we see the contrast of the blessings of God and the curses of God. And what are the areas? What are the three areas that you and I should be looking at in regards to the blessing of God and the curses of God? Well, one is our provision. When your provisions are not going well, when your finances are not going well, I'm not saying you're living in sin, you may be a Job and God bless you, but you know what? As an individual, when your provisions not going well, you got to ask yourself, is God trying to get my attention? Is there something that God is dealing with me? Is he punishing me in this area? When it's your protection, when you're paralyzed by fear, you got to ask yourself, am I right with God in this area? Is there a problem here? Why, why am I so overtaken with fear? Why is my life not uh, categorized by the word boldness? And then there's a partnership of God. And you can feel it, and I can feel it. And by the way, you can see it, and I can see it. When people begin to draw away from God, and the fellowship is not there anymore, and the partnership is not there anymore, and that speaks a lot to whether they're living under the blessing of God or under the curses of God. So we see the condition of God's blessing. We see the contrast. Thirdly, tonight, we see the choice in the blessings of God. We see the choice that you make. See, he keeps emphasizing our actions. Notice verse 3 again. He says, if, that's the conditional, but notice the action, if ye walk. He says, if ye walk in my statutes, and keep my commandments, and do them. See, it's not enough. It's not enough that you showed up for church on Wednesday night. Now, God bless you for showing up to church on Wednesday night. I'm glad you showed up to church on Wednesday night. But it's not enough for you to show up to church on Wednesday night. It's you showing up to church on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning and on Sunday night, and you hear the statutes and you hear the commandments and you hear what you're supposed to do, but then you walk out of here and actually do them and keep them and do them. Look look at verse 21. The video 26, 21. And if ye walk contrary unto me, and if you walk contrary unto me, so God says, don't drink that stinking alcohol. You know it's it's sin. And you say, well, I know that's what the pastor says. No, that's not what the pastor says. It's what the Bible says. Amen. What the Word of God says. People always want to like minimize or say, well, I know that's what the pastor says. You know, it's funny because I'm pretty sure that I, 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 you know, my preaching could use help, and I'm trying to become better. But I think one thing we do around here is we prove everything from the Bible. I've never stood up and said, well, you know, I think that alcohol is probably not a good idea. No, the word of God says, you shouldn't even look at it. And when you walk out of here and say, well, I know that's what the pastor says, you know, which is what the Bible says, but I'm going to walk contrary anyway. <laughs> just just realize with that comes the curse of God. With that comes not the blessing of God, the curse of God. And when you get that DUI or when you get that, you know, when you get fired from your job or whatever it might be, just realize maybe, maybe you're not a joke. Maybe God's dealing with sin in your life. Maybe there's a problem. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. But, verse 21, if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, you won't listen to me, God says. You won't do what I'm telling you to do. I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sin. And isn't that the truth of the word of God? As there's always way more negative than there is positive? I mean, he talks for the blessings like this much, and he talks for the curses like this much. The blessings, he said, I'll do this, and the curse, he said, I will do seven times more upon you according to your sins. Look at verse 23. And if you will not be reformed by me by these things. You say, well, why does God... You know, why does he affect our provisions and why does he affect our protection? Why does he affect our partnership? Why does he do this and gives us these curses? Here's why he does it, to reform you, to get you to stop, to get you to do. The same reason we, you know, discipline our children and spank our children. Why? A good, what a good parent does is they spank their children. Why? Because they're doing something we don't want them to do. And we tried the please, and that didn't work. So now we got to bring out the rod. And look, God is your heavenly... If you're saved, God's your heavenly father. And you guys get mad at, you know, pastor or whoever because I get up here and say certain things, but just realize this is the please. God is saying, please? Will you please? And then when you walk out of here and say, I'm not going to do that, then he's just going to get the rod out. Why? If you will not be reformed by me in these things, but will walk contrary unto me. Look at verse 27. And if you will not for all this hearken unto me but walk contrary unto me. See, there's the actions, the actions we take. Look at verse 40. If they shall confess, you can always make it right, if they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers. By the way, that's, that's talking, you see the, the iniquity of their fathers? That's where, remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about breaking generational curses. Sometimes you got to confess those, the iniquities of your fathers. With their trespasses, which they trespass against me, and... And, because remember he said in verse 40, the first part of verse 40, if they shall confess, and that also they have walked contrary unto me. See, you have to confess your sins, but you also have to confess that you knew that you were going against what God asked you to do. Look at verse 41. And, if they shall confess, that I also have walked contrary unto them. Now that's interesting. You know, when you decide to get right with God, and some of you are not listening to me and that's fine. We have people on all, you know, there's the, there's, the, there's the prodigal son road. And, you know, I get to, from this vantage point as a pastor, knowing the things that I know, I get to watch people get backslidden. It's one of the worst parts of ministry is you, you watch people get right with God, which is exciting, and you also watch people get not right with God, which is sad. And I watch them from this end and I see, you know, the way they're going, and I begin to see how their marriage falls apart, and I hear of the stories, and I hear those things, and here's, here's all I'm trying to tell you. When, just, just get this in your mind and just put it behind for when you need it, when you get to the pig pen, when you're ready to make things right, you have to not only confess your iniquity, and you may also have to confess the iniquities of your fathers. You also have to confess the fact that you walk contrary unto what God already told you to do. So you're going to have to say, Yeah, I knew that's what I was supposed to do. Pastor preached that, but I chose not to do it anyway. But then you also have to confess that, notice verse 41, and that I, that's God, also have walked contrary unto them. Here's what you have to say. God, I realize it's you who's doing this to me. It's you who's not allowing me to succeed in this area. It's you who's not allowing It's you who are walking contrary unto me because I'm walking contrary unto you. And I brought them into the land of your enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts, how, do you, how does sin start? With pride. How does getting right with God start? With humbleness, humility. If their uncircumcised hearts be humbled. And they then, notice what he says, accept of the punishment of their iniquity. God doesn't always make the punishment go away. Ask David. Sometimes you just have to accept it. Sometimes getting right with God is accepting the fact i messed up and i made decisions and i knew what god wanted and i chose to walk the different way and i went down that road and now like jacob i'm gonna have to limp the rest of my life now like david i'm gonna have to deal with the consequences of that and god forgave me and god loved me but part of you know going down that road of the curses of god is that you then have to accept the punishments of your iniquity and wouldn't you just rather not go down that road wouldn't you just rather do it right and live with the blessings of God? Notice God's reaction, verse 24. Leviticus 26, verse 24. I told you we were jumping out, jumping around. Look at verse 24. If you confess, he says, then will I also walk contrary unto you. I'm sorry, if you're not living right, he says, then I will also walk contrary unto you. I will punish you yet seven times more for your sins. Look at verse 28. Then I will walk contrary unto you, also in fury, and I, even I will chastise you seven times for your sins. Look at verse 42. But when you confess, when you say, "I sinned," I sinned, and by the way, our society always wants to you know we want to minimize sin, so it 's not i'm a drunkard it's uh, you know I, I, I have a drinking problem i 'm sick no you not you're, you're, you're not sick you're, it's sin it's sin in your life. We have to confess our sin as sin as iniquity. He says, if you confess your iniquity, if you confess the iniquities of your fathers, if you admit that I chose to go down this road and God, because I walk contrary to God, God walked contrary to me. And because of that, I have to accept the punishment and I have to accept the consequences and I have to live with it. He says, if you do that, verse 42, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember and I remember the land. Aren't you thankful we live under a covenant I mean, I know the dispensationalists don't believe this, but you you understand we live under the covenant of Abraham. The covenant was given to Abraham and to his seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you got saved, you put on Christ. I'm in Christ. And those those covenants are there. And one of the covenants we call eternal security, that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That, look, there's no, once you're saved, you can't, it doesn't matter how far you go, you can always come back. You can always confess. You can always make it right. Now, there are some people that can't come back to this church, all right? But they can come back to God. (laughs) You understand that? You can always come back to God. You just have to go to a lame church. Look at verse 43. The land also shall be left of them, and shall enjoy her Sabbath while she lies. That's where you have to accept your punishment, you know, that you have to go to the lame church. Verse 43. The land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lieth desolate without them. And they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity, because even because they despise my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. Neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenants with them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sakes, remember, the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and judgments and laws which the Lord made between him and the children of Israel in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. I'd like to show you this one verse before we finish tonight. Go to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number 30. Deuteronomy chapter number 30. So when we see the blessings and curses of God, what do we see? We see the condition. God does not owe you anything. If you want to live under the blessings of God, if you want to live with the blessing of God upon your life, it's conditional upon your action and the things you do with what the Bible says. And if you choose to not hearken and you choose to walk contrary, you choose to do what your pride tells you you want to do, that's fine. But just remember that you'll live under the cursings of God. It doesn't mean he hates you. He's actually loving you. Chastising you, trying to bring you back unto yourself. So we see the conditions of God, and we see the contrasts of God. Look, we often we often don't understand the blessings of God until the blessings of God are not there. I mean, just just this week, I was praying about a certain situation, and and uh, God came through in that specific situation. The specific a specific that I was praying about, God came through and took care of it, and I, I remember thinking to myself, I, I, when, when I realized it, you know, I opened a, a letter, and I, I realized what, that, that he met, you know, he answered my prayer, and I said, oh, praise the Lord, and then I began to walk away and do something, I said, you know what, I need to stop, and remember that the blessings of God are not my right, I need to take some time, you know, as serious as I was praying about something, just take some time to really ask, thank the Lord. Because he doesn't owe me his blessings. He doesn't owe you the blessings. And I, I don't want to get to the place where I'm so blessed, I don't even realize it. I don't even know it. And then when the blessing is God, you're, you're, it's gone, you're like, oh, man, now I see how it is to live without having the blessings of God. And then we saw the choice that has to be made. You, look, you say, well, my, you know, I'm, I'm living in, in, under the curse of God. You're doing that by your own choice. You're doing that by your own actions. You've decided, you've decided that not doing what he asked or doing what he didn't, what he told you not to do, that was better. And now you're living under the curse of God. Deuteronomy 30, look at verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Deuteronomy 30, 19, notice what the Bible says. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Notice what he says. I call heaven and earth to record uh, record this day against you. Notice what he says. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He says, look, I've set before you life and death. You want to get saved? You can have it. Anybody can have it. Whoever wants it can have it. Whosoever will may come. He said, I have set before you life and death. I have set before you blessing and cursing. Then he says this, therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. I'm just trying to tell some of you husbands, I'm trying to tell some of your fathers, some of your wives, moms. You're, you're, you're living in a certain way, and you, and you know what God's dealing with you, and, and, if, and if it's sin, you know, I can tell you this, if it's sin, the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about it right now. When the word of God is preached and maybe, you know, the the specific sin hasn't even been brought up, but the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind. Hey, God's dealing with you in that. And God is saying to you, I've set before you life and death. I've set before you blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You can choose it. You can decide You can decide right now, you can decide tonight to get right with God in that area, to quit being lazy in that area, to stop doing what God told you not to do, or start doing what God told you to do, and begin to walk in the blessings of God. Let's bow our heads in our word of prayer.